Well, welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters. I'm joined by Harry. Welcome all, brothers. Hello. Yes. Um, I've got, given up with the date. Got to stop having jokes before yep. the chat starts. We need to stop having fun. You're right. <laughs> yeah. So this is supposed out. to be a serious podcast where we tell people the news, serious yeah. news, and nothing but the news. Which is why we have you doing your weird little presentations on AI songs and such. Wait a second. The and Das. Anyway, um, today we'll be talking about infinity Africans and two years of lockdowns didn't work. Uh, that's the conservatives there. Yeah. Uh, do leftists have brain damage? Which I think will be an interesting investigation into what? Boeing? Probably. Okay. Probably. The answer is probably. I, I, wasn't there that study a while back that did prove that uh, we'll you, get into it. If you we'll, damage we'll, parts we'll, of we'll the brain. We'll get into it. We'll, <laughs> okay. That might be part of it. Yeah. Well, you've got right. to mention Fetterman that as he regains brain function, he becomes, <laughs> becomes more right We right can wing. mention that as we go through, <laughs> All right. And then the last thing we'll you be doing. You want to stop is... being a retarded leftist? Have a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing we'll be doing is checking out uh, the fact that it didn't have to be like this. We didn't need yes. brain damage or Infinity Africans. It wasn't on the table. But anyway, let's um, begin because I have no announcements with the Infinity Africans. Yes, so I have some good news. Tories are facing complete electoral oblivion. So let's go to... This is good news. This comes with bad news. A white, well, no, it's mainly good Th- news. This definitely comes with bad news. Well, there's touches of it, but I think it's mainly a good thing. So here we are. So this uh, this poll has come out with The Telegraph and um, YouGov, and apparently they've, they've polled 14,000 people. And it looks like that uh, the Tories are facing a massive wipeout. Now, you, you'll, you'll miss this if you're listening, but for those of you watching... So there's what the map on the on the left looks like when Tories win an 80 seat majority, and as you can see, it's basically all blue. This is what Tory happens when Tories say, "Don't worry, we'll kick out the foreigners." Yes, and on the right, yes, it's what happens when they don't. Yes, quite, and uh, yes, on the so I mean, uh, for 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 those who aren't UK based, you might be slightly confused because you can see on the right hand map that there is still an awful lot of blue on that map. It looks like they're they're sort of doing rather well. Um, but they're big constituencies with no one in them. So, so essentially, the way it works in Britain is if you have a garden, you vote Tory. And if you don't have a garden, you vote Labour. And if you do have a garden and it's got a chicken coop in the end and you live opposite a microbrewery that charges you £12 for a latte... And you love the taste of cum. Yes. You vote Lib Dem. Yes, exactly, <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly that. So, um, yes, according, according to his... <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, to the point. So yeah, <laughs> even though even though there's lots of blue on there, that is an absolute that is an absolute thrubbing. So basically, the only bit the Tories have got are the bits where the people have not only gardens but very very large gardens and probably a pony stable. So that so that's not good anyway. So I see this graph in a bit of a weird way, perhaps this map. Yes, yeah, good point. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which is the. Of course, it's basically just switching out a bunch of blue stuff for a bunch of red stuff and, well, the cum guzzlers, which yes. means nothing. And they'll all do the same thing. Yeah. You know Futurama. Do you remember yeah. there's that episode of Futurama where they're watching the political debates and it's literally two clones of the same person arguing that my policy goes too far enough and the other one goes, no, my policy will also do the same thing and go a little bit more too far enough. Basically, yes. They're the, literally the same person. That's what this is. Because well, British politics yes. is way more uni-party than American politics. But mm. what we're all looking for is basically reform or someone to break through and then destroy that consensus. Well, I was, I was going to get to this later on, but it's not so much even a uni-party. It's just, it's just an, they, 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 they just have no policies. There's nothing there. Yes. No, 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 I mean, there is one overriding well, policy. Yes. Kill Britain. Yeah. Infinity <laughs> Africans, yes. Go on. So, so there's so, something funny happening there. 
that's actually a consequence. Because, I mean, to be fair to the S&P, they do have at least that one policy of leave Britain. I mean, they kind of like retard that. Well, and then go straight into leave Britain and yeah. then import infinity Africans. Don't want to get into that side because obviously yes. they're not the smartest. But, well, they are dying as the end result of all that, which, I mean, that's an effect at least. That's a change. Yes, and people becoming far more or less relevant. Yes. But that's all I see. That's all. Yeah, so is that. Right. So anyway, reading from the article, the Conservatives are heading for an electoral wipeout on the scale of 1997 by Labour. The, the most authoritative opinion poll in five years has predicted. YouGov survey uh, predicts that they will attain just 169 seats, while Labour will sweep to power with 385, giving Keir Starmer a 120-seat majority. So this is uh, this is being linked to 1997. Uh, quick reminder on that: the Tories lost 165 seats, so so almost exactly the same number of seats. Um, and back then, Labour had a majority of 180, May 179. I? I'm oh. trying to find Swindon. So. Uh, yes. Uh, you, you you've gone into oh, the interactive found, map. Yeah, yes, yeah, Swindon yeah, North. So Swindon, I think, oh, goes Labour and Chippenham. Swindon North, Labour, East Wiltshire. It's just tiny. It's just, yeah, it's, it's yes. too tiny. Yes. I'm curious what's going on up here. You're looking for crew now, are you? Oh, that's definitely going to be Labour. Oh, yeah, d- definitely. In definitely. this horde of red, where, where could it be? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where are you? <laughs> Bolton, I think it's a bit further south. Tatton, Congleton. John. Point, point, point is, Harry. Anyway, I'm, I'm going yeah. to change the tab. So the Everything point- is terrible. Yes. We're all doomed. Yeah, so, so 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 big wipeout. So here so here's the really good news. This is a bit to cheer you up. These are some of the people that are going to lose their seat. So Jeremy Hunt. Did I say the surname correctly? Jeremy Hunt. Um he he's going to be going. He's he's the guy who wanted to basically lock down CCP style. Mm-hmm. He's just a complete and utter worm. Uh, Grant Snaps, worm, he's going. Um Johnny Mercer, good news, complete worm, he's going. <laughs> Penny Mordant. Right, she she appeared to be good a few years ago. She gave some good speeches, and then she published that book uh, with Bill Gates. It was all copyrighted. Tony Blair stuff. Yes. So so I'm I'm pretty happy about um, all of these complete and utter betrayalist worms getting chucked out. I'm a bit sad about some of the people at the bottom, like Ian Duncan Smith. I mean, he's basically all right. And John Redwood, I definitely like John Redwood. Um. So even Lee Anderson's good. Yeah, e- even if, even a few of the proper Tories are going to get, which there's not many of them, and I, and, I, and I will be coming to that anyway. So apparently, this this uh, this poll that they did, it was um, commissioned by a group of conservative donors, um, and it surveyed fourteen thousand people, which is around seven times as many people as a, as a normal poll. Was this commissioned by like conservative sadomasochists? Or it was. Conser- <laughs> it was commissioned by. Um, so how much uh, are we going to get fucked? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how deep is it going? <laughs> A pre well, very deep and ruthlessly hard. Uh, a group working with Lord Frost. So Lord Frost was all right as well, actually. He, he was okay. Um, so he's, he's basically a group of, of proper Tories saying, you know, maybe this shit isn't working. Maybe we could do some actual conservatism. Of course, they won't. Um, and apparently, the, the methodology they used is the same methodology that successfully predicted. Uh, 2017, 2019, and the votes in Australia and Spain. So it's got something to it. Anyway, so so why might this be happening? Well, it could be because of the relentless string of betrayals, I'm thinking. That that could be a key factor in it. So, And it's very difficult with the Tories to figure out which is the top betrayal. But I, I've decided in my little list that it's going to be um, two years of house arrest, your grandmother having to die in solitary confinement uh, with nobody around her, 
um, mandating of the you know what that led to um, a high want. number of you knows what's and a lot of people are seriously you know what from, <laughs> from the you know what we can't talk about it on YouTube but basically they pushed something they locked us in our homes and they made granny die alone and then imported a million Africans because well that's number two on my list so, so, so number one on my list I think that people know this so I don't think the normies if, you, if they spoke to opinion pollsters would say yo I got duped over COVID but I think they all know it. Everybody knows because because none of them are having the you know what anymore. Yeah, right. And 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 whenever I speak to people, I say, oh, okay, it wasn't it awful that you know your grandma was locked in the home for, for two years and had to die alone. So they get all of that. They're they're not willing to admit that they were played like absolute patsies and they walked around like fools with those bloody masks on their face. But you go back and look at the pictures. Yeah, and it's like uh, well, people had their wedding photos with masks on. Yeah, well, even more mad is is, for example, the people who are in a band, and there's 10 of you in the band at some yeah. uh, recital, right? So they all sit in their little booths with a, <coughs> a hole in the mask so they can play the instrument. Yeah. Yeah. And you just look at them and you think, I mean, that was considered mad at the time, but looking back at it now, like, probably mental. I think most like, people, oh, yeah. everyone there is mentally ill to yes. think that they did anything. I, I genuinely think most people have some form of brain worm that's the only thing that can explain that. Also, everybody yeah. who decided like the, the eat out to help out scheme where COVID mm. suddenly wasn't infectious as long as you were sitting down at a table eating. Yeah. Even if you were sat next to a table and somebody was coughing there. No, no. The, the, uh, it was only when you stood up, co- wasn't it? COVID, <laughs> then it activated. COVID yeah, being was... a proper British disease, uh, new proper etiquette. Yes, it, 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 it would trigger if you're having a Scots egg, but not if you were having a... Like, a full meal was okay. Yes, it was nonsense. Anyway, so that was nonsense, and I don't think people could admit it. But you're seeing governments all over the world thrown out if they were the party in charge during lockdowns. So I think that's the biggest betrayal. The second biggest betrayal is probably Infinity Africans. But we, we may have covered that once or twice on the Lotus Eaters, so I can probably... Maybe. Yes, I, I, I can probably move on. Mm. Number three in the biggest betrayals, I'm going with... Um, Highest tax burden since the 1950s. So we look back now, because at the time, I th- at the time I thought, oh yeah, the Tony Blair government, yeah, this is this isn't on really. This isn't cricket. This isn't very good. But uh, but it turns <laughs> out poor showing old chap. <laughs> <laughs> Quite so. But um, yeah, I thought I thought this uh, this Tony Blair chap's a bit rum, isn't he? Anyway, but it turns out that was the heyday. Because we had like what, forty thousand Polish people coming over and taxes were, were a bit high. But but now we've got Infinity African and the highest tax burden since the 1950s. It is remarkable looking at this graph that um, the Telegraph have on screen here. Yeah. Uh, if we make sure that's on screen, John, uh, how the Conservatives have been completely wiped out seven out of the top ten times when there's been a complete wipeout. And yet yes. they are the cockroach of British politics, yes. aren't they? Repeatedly throughout an entire century, people have said, don't like you anymore. Go away. Yeah, it's a bit even like- a- even after the end of the Second World War, they went, all right, we've had about enough of that. Thank you very much. And yeah. they still carry on. <laughs> it's remarkable. Well, Even though you won World War II, you're still terrible. It's, it's, <laughs> I still hate you, by the way, <laughs> says the entire country. It's a, bit, it's a bit like that group that keeps getting thrown out of countries and people keep bringing no, up all the comments. There it is. But, and, and, and the people in the comments are always saying, therefore, that proves something. Okay, I don't know whether that's true or not, but look at that. I mean, are you saying the Conservatives are going to make it illegal <laughs> to criticise them? It's going to be hate speech now. How did we? I mean, they, they literally did. Bring in, the word <laughs> they, they did bring in a law of that, didn't they? The online harms bill. But yeah, it's like it, um, Robin Day, who was a, a speechwriter for Margaret Thatcher, 
he actually wrote a book. I can't remember what it's called now, but he basically went back through the entire history of the Conservative Party about how even from the early days, like the 1800s, they always betray their voters like, every single that's time. That's the funny that- thing. People have pointed out that repealing the Corn Laws, which is seen as this great liberal victory for England, was done by the Tories, yes. and the voting yes. population didn't want that. They said, yeah, no, they, don't repeal the yeah. Corn Laws. We want, our, uh, we want our industry protected. And they said, mm, we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, well, you g- think g- giving away the empire? I mean, the, the, everything. Oh, yeah. Everything, all of it. Anyway, so I mean, I've got a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a background with this party. So I mean, I, my first sort of job out of university was going working on the Michael Portillo campaign when he was going to become leader back in 2001. Um, now he didn't win in the end because of well various complicated reasons. But anyway, so um, I, but I was then a regular in Westminster for years, like at least once or twice, you know, a week. I'd pop down to the house and like go and have drinks in the strangers' bar, and I, I knew loads of people there. So I, I used to spend yeah exchange I, I, sexual favors. Yeah, no, well, I didn't do that. There are a lot of homos in politics. I will give you that. <laughs> but <laughs> but so I, I was a, I was a regular in this scene for ages. Um, and I sort of knew them. And, and so I saw it from the inside about how it started to turn. And I think the, the big turning point would have been 2005 when Cameron came in. Because um, we, we had a choice, basically, between David Davis, who was a proper Tory, and like ex-SAS, you know, working man, you know, sensible Tory chap. Uh, against, Top. Yes, against, against Cameron. <laughs> Bottom. Well, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then the really worrying thing for me... <laughs> Not really how the party organizes itself. Almost <laughs> certainly. Um, the two factions are the there top. Was, <laughs> the there, top there, the bottom, there, there was a bottoms up revolution in 2005 <laughs> of the party, and it's been downhill from there. Right. Anyway, then after that, after Cameron came in, right, all of the all of the MPs that I knew started going a bit weird because they started they started um idealizing Blair. And they started calling themselves um, Blue Blairites or, you know, something like that. They started to really openly admire him. And of course, they can't go to the country calling themselves Blue Blairites. So they they eventually invented this term called modernizer. And so they all started to become modernizers. And that was a point where I started to really sort of peel away from it. It Like, what, what, what the hell are you guys talking about? And by the time of the 2010 election that they ultimately won... They were going all in on this. I was saying, no, no, you, you don't want to do this. So, so basically, the country's gone this way with Blair. Now is not the time to emulate him. Now is the time to go the up, other way entirely. But they got so fixed in their head that they had to be, be blue Blairites that basically it, it, it became a Blairite party. It became an entirely Blairite party. And the other thing that... And that, that was by design, as David oh, yeah. Cameron himself has bragged about in uh, The Spectator, yeah. was it? Which The Times, whichever one it was. Where he said, yes, I turned the party upside down and implemented loads of uh, quotas and other such DEI measures. Oh, we oh. knew it as DEI. So, so that, that and I'm good. proud of it. That's what I did. Please put it on a plaque. Remember me for this specific. So, so that, that was going to be my exact next, exact next point. So basically what, the, what Cameron did that did the long lasted damage, as you've alluded to, is he basically changed the selection criteria for Tory MPs. So that if you were a conservative, you weren't allowed to get selected for, for a conservative seat. Okay, um, unless you're on an all woman shortlist, for well, instance. yeah, you 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 are reading my notes, Harry. This is I'm this is genuinely exactly, not. This is exactly the point. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm reading your ba- mind. Dan. Basically, what he wanted was was pure blank slate modernizers. Okay, the only exception that he made to that was if you're a bit brown, then you're allowed to have some conservatism, because there's a limited number of brown people who wanted to be Tory MPs. So therefore, they couldn't really filter. They couldn't really have the filter of brown and not conservative because it would have been too difficult to find. So they all go and join Labour. Yeah, and that's why 
Um, in the in the last leadership election, the only people who were expressing views that were vaguely conservative was Kemi Badenoch and Suella Braverman, because the only people after two thousand and five who were allowed to be you've conservative gone through the filters was that you've gone through all those filters, yeah, and what you're left with is exactly that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so that that that's why you, you've got the you've got the entire party these days of people who are just blank slates. Uh, you can basically just copy and paste policy from the WEF onto these people, and they believe it. All that all they have is like fashionable opinions. So it's like eco mentalism and globalism and all that kind of stuff. The only exception to that was was twenty nineteen when that red wall was won. So you remember all those northern seats? You know, why, why don't you skim me back to that map above? I assume this is because people didn't actually expect them to win all those seats. Yeah. So, so they just collect. They just selected like local people. And it turns out, yeah, local people uh, were not weird mentals. Yes, exactly. So basically, this this band across Let's here. Not discount Boris Johnson also saying uh, Brexit will be Brexit, and everybody, even though he never outright said it, everybody kind of assumed that that meant, oh, great, we'll reverse Blairism. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So basically, this band across here is always supposed to be Labour, and then Boris Johnson won it. And because they didn't expect to win it, they let pe- they they let people stand for for Tory MP who are actually Tories. So now you've got this weird schism where you've got a whole bunch of people who want to do conservative thing, uh, a couple of a couple of uh, pe- bit brown people who also want to do conservatism, <laughs> and then the old guard like the 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 John Redwoods who want to do conservatism, but the majority are just well eco mentalist. Come guzzling wankers. I mean, wait. <laughs> <laughs> put that on your resume. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be too rude about them. But that, that, an that's, amazing that, career that's, in that's politics. Broadly, that. yeah, well, the bro- funny thing is, is I was having dinner with an MP, and he said something very similar, which is that oh, really? yes. he's from one of the seats that did flip, and he just got selected because well, no one thought he was going to win, so they just let you know a normal person run. And him and all his friends from those seats are all in a group together. And uh, the the dad had dinner with him. He's he's sort of just sitting around. They're kind of moping like they, they they screwed everything. We had all this power and they've screwed it all. Yeah. I asked him, well, what does he see the problem as? And he said, safe seats, because the safe seats are full of. Well, he didn't use those exact words, but come guzzling yes. wankers. Yes. Who will literally just go along with anything because they want a quiet. Yeah, life they're all they're all paycheck. blank slate modernizers, which is exactly the express purpose of what Cameron did. It, it, purpose it seems that the new MPs also have the same opinion. They know. Oh yeah. You know, is 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 exactly what happened. Um, so a, a quick recap of the leaders we've had over this Tory government because they like to, they like to do this um, Doctor Who thing where they regenerate every time they get a new leader and they get gayer and gayer each yes. time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but anyway, it, it is it is now thirteen years of, of this Tory government, and so let's go through it. So we got you got Cameron who betrayed his voters and the party loved him. Um, then you got Theresa May because. Um, David Cameron expected to be able to betray his voters by putting the the Brexit referendum out to the people, and he was expecting to get a, a solid uh, remain for that. So that that was how he was going to be betray his voters, and he and he so he he kind of ousted himself after that. After that, we got Theresa May, whose entire job was to betray her voters for like was it three or four years? Mm. Uh, she just wouldn't give us Brexit, and and she's and she's the person when the Americans make fun of us quite correctly about do you have a permit for that? She's the one who wanted to bring in a literal wanking license. Yeah. So if you wanted to go to the off uh, to the to the news agents and buy a porno, you had to get a license to say you know scratch off one, twelve one, digit code. One wank allowed. <laughs> she she also was appearing at things like pink news conferences, and she oh, was yeah. really big on pushing the LGBT stuff. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so so she betrayed us, right? Then you had Boris Johnson. Now there there are three stages to Boris Johnson, right? 
So first of all, he didn't betray the voters when he started to do Brexit, right? And the party hated him. Right. Then he did betray his voters by locking us all up for two three years. Three months in. Yes. Three months three in. Month, he went, three months later, he then, you know flip, he then flips to betraying the voters and the party loved him while he was doing that. And then towards the end, for like for about another three months actually, he, um, he basically started to ease up on the lockdowns and you know, basically assert himself a little bit and say, okay, this has gone far enough. And as soon as he stopped betraying the voters, the party immediately cooed him. You're not, betraying the, you're not betraying your voters hard enough. You have to go, right? Um, then we had Liz Truss. Um, and, yeah, and, you know... <laughs> and then she got cooed. L- Liz for the nice, reason we still don't really know. <laughs> Liz Nice But Dim. Um, I mean, she's, she's not terribly bright, but she had, the right, she had the right ideas and she wanted to give the voters, the conservative voters, what they wanted. So she started to do things like, okay, let's have lower taxes and smaller government. And she was immediately cooed. For not betraying the voters. That's but, when we had Jeremy Hunt airdropped in. Yes, yes, and and then we got Rishi Sunak, who is basically the turf, the perfect Tory because he he scores everything that David Cameron wanted. So he's a bit brown, <laughs> All right. only, only a bit. There. <laughs> yes, he, he's got no opinions whatsoever. Can can you name a single Rishi Sunak opinion on anything? No. Okay, um, he's rich. Oh, well, he likes video games. Rishi Sunak enjoys playing video games. Yeah. That's... It's like something a blank slate would say, though. Like, not even naming yeah. the games, just, I enjoy movies. Right, I'm going to... What video <laughs> games does Rishi... It's going to be like I know the FIFA, the king of, Call of Duty. He's going to be... It wouldn't even be Call of Duty, though. It'd be something even blander. The king that, of Saudi Arabia, I happen to know he plays Assassin's Creed. But he just really? tells you what games he plays. Oh, okay. King of Saudi Arabia? Yeah. Not, not MBS, the literal king. He's like 97, isn't he? Oh, wait, no, I'm in MBS. Okay, yeah. right, fine. Okay. Um, oh, wait, okay. Um, it, I think you are right that it is just blank slate. Yes. Uh, an interview with Politico reported that he loves games, while Tatler claims that Sunak like, is a fan of detailed models of spaceships as well as video games. I like food. Right. A man of many personalities. Okay. Sunak was asked if he preferred Mario World or Mario Kart, with the 42 year old confirming Mario yep. Kart is his preferred game. There we go. So that's, that's a boomer answer. That's, that's, um, that's I've heard of that video game. Yeah. So now we know the kind of character that Rishi Sunak. Complete is. and utter blank slate. Uh, and, and and again, the weft can just copy and paste whatever they want onto him. And you know, there you go. You've got a prime. So he's a bit brown. Got no opinions. Very rich. Yes. Likes Mario Kart. Yes. Hello. <laughs> 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 yes. Now and next so- up, we need to ask him which his favorite course is. What's your favorite track on Mario Kart? <laughs> then we really need to dig deep with Sunak. What no, kind no. of what's what what kind of man are you on the inside? Yes. Anyway, so so um so so that that's that's going to be the end of the toys, and then we're going to get Starmer. Now the the interesting thing about Starmer is is obviously uh, Cameron decided that the only way to win was to remove all flavor whatsoever and just and just all out betray your party. So what is Starmer doing? Well, Starmer since he's got into in, into being uh, leader of the Labour Party. The first thing he did was purge the Labour Party of anybody who actually believes in anything. So all, all the Corbyn people have gone. Anybody else who had a view on anything is gone. Right? And the next thing he's done is he's basically gone around purging the Labour Party of anything that vaguely resembles a policy. So again, there's, there's just like no policies. Yeah. So th- this, is, this is like the, the meme of the, of the McDonald's burger not tasting of anything. But at least it makes sense in his case, because it's like the current flavour of my party is anti-Semitic. 
anti-Semitism. Yeah. So bland nothing flavor is probably electorally a little bit better than that. But that's that's all he has to do because there is the other thing that this poll shows is that there is no increase in support for Labour and they're going to win a massive majority. Amazing. Yes. What games does Keir Starmer enjoy? Oh, it's going to be. Uh, do you reckon he's got? It's going to be weird sex stuff with children. I'm actually more of a Smash player myself. Mario Kart, I never really had the taste for, personally. What the fuck is that accent? Keir Starmer has a weird voice. Keir Starmer's Trilateral Commission. Now, Trilateral Commission was set up in the 50s to push for a one-world government. And in the early days, they were very open about it. They gave speeches saying about they're all up for one-world government, all that kind of stuff. And basically, by the 70s, they started to realise that people didn't like that sort of thing. So they just stopped talking about it. So we're supposed to believe that the Trilateral Commission is still meeting twice a year what, because they just like what food they serve or something. It's like, oh yeah, they've got really good buffet options, so we, I, we keep turning up to it. No, they obviously still believe in a one-world government. They just don't talk about it anymore. And he's a member of that. He's also the guy who says that he, um, he feels more comfortable in Davos than in a, in a British pub. So well, I mean, that, British that... pubs have a reputation for kicking him out recently, don't they? Well, yes. Yes, there is that. So, so basically what we're left with is British politics is just it's is just blank slate blandness. Well, that's why I'm very excited about reform, to be honest, because this poll is what it is, and there's still, what, a year until um, yeah. the election? And a lot can happen at that time, obviously. And with the whole thing being a vacuum, yeah. I mean, correctly, Keir Starmer's assessment was to just vacuum up the entire party. Yeah. And then the Conservatives think that, I don't know, is the ideal man for their yeah. candidate as well. It's just an open space. Just walk in and take it. Well, and if you're not just wrong... Yeah, I mean, it's not easy, yes. don't get me wrong, but if Nigel Farage wants to, I'll continuously keep saying it. Yes. This is his moment. I don't think he's ever going to get a better one. I mean, he never got a better one before now, in which both sides look just mm. utterly empty. Yeah, also, there's, no, there's no increased support for Labour, so it, it's, it's wide open, but the, the British public doesn't, just, just doesn't seem to work on that basis, so they're probably going to ignore them. Plus, I'm a little bit concerned with reform. I mean, they, they, they do seem to be a bit tory light. In, in some respects. So, I don't know. We, we, we will see on that. But anyway. They are fielding Bo. Yes. Well, they were fielding me, but they chucked me out. Oh. Did they? Yeah. Really? What did yeah, they, they say? Well, no, because what it, what, what it was is, is they came to me like a year ago and said, uh, do you want to stand for it? So I was like, oh, yeah, all right then. And, um, and, and then I said, you do know that I have opinions and stuff and I'm not going to change them. And they said, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Anyway, so their team of offence archaeologists at head office, they started going through my tweets and eventually they got to like seven years ago or whatever it was. You know, you remember the Manchester Arena bombings? Oh, yes. those kids got blown up. And then there was, a, there was like a, a newspaper article that came out that showed that we were tracking whatever it was, like thousands of jihadis and the, the mosque, the local mosque that this guy went to um, was key in radicalizing. And I replied to that saying something like, okay, well, any mosques that um, are involved in radicalization need to be shut down and foreign-born criminals and should, be deported, should be deported. And they saw that and they booted me out of the party. I find that funny, though, because everyone I've yeah. met from that party, you ask them or say something like that, they're just like, yeah, based. Yeah, but, but you know, their, their offense archaeologist team yeah, head it, office was like, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a canning offense. It's the upper echelons of the party that are going to be dictating yeah. things like that as well. I think, wasn't Steve Laws also running for them? And then um, he said something like, we just need to deport all the foreigners. And then they... It's said, probably, they're, pro they're probably on a hair trigger. Anyone who talks about deportation is just like immediately just booted out. That, 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 that might conversation be might have been radicalized recently. So. Well, yeah, yeah. So I mean, they have been posting some interesting factoids on their accounts recently. So anyway, yeah. should we wrap this up? Yes. Anyway, to the next one. All right. Time to ask the important question, gents. Do leftists have brain damage? 
Are we yes. going to scientifically prove this or, or just... We'll, we'll get some scientific <laughs> studies so that... But it just can... seems obvious to me that yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it I'll seems like that's... Uh, well, we can ask the question and we can cite some studies. So um, I'm just going to read some community guidelines real quick, boys. <laughs> All right, well, this segment, if it doesn't go up on YouTube, you know the answer. Those of you watching live and you'll have to watch on the website instead, any of you who might want to watch on YouTube or anything. So the question is, why is it that leftists are so back crap insane? Why do they believe the insane things that they do? And this is something that's been remarked upon by even liberal scholars like Jonathan Haidt, where Carl and I covered his book, The Righteous Mind, which is an excellent read. Actually, the, 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 the podcast you did on that was really good. That is genuinely well worth watching that one. Thank you very much. Yeah, you should watch this because uh, I think we did an interesting job, a good job breaking down the ideas. So he was examining the different moral foundations that people who uh, identify themselves on different sides of the political spectrum hold and found that conservatives tend to be quite even-handed in their respect for authority, for order, uh, for liberty. Libertarians were another um, uh, ideology that he was looking at. And of course, they only really cared about liberty. And then they also had a little bit for fairness. And then the most of the rest of it, they didn't really care about order, about disgust and sanctity and such. Whereas liberals were very much all in on the fairness. They were all in on uh, care and harm. They didn't really care about liberty. They didn't really care about other things. And he was examining these differences of opinions, this difference in the foundational morals that you hold yourself to. For instance, if you were to be shown a, an, an, an image of a street that's uh, covered in homeless tents and filth, what's your gut response going to be for that? It should and be discussed, shouldn't it? It should be. That's what I feel. Uh, but liberals and conservatives feel very, very different about this. And I'm using liberals in the American sense for, for leftists. Yes. And he posed a number of questions that were designed to focus on those care, harm, the fairness and liberty. Questions mm. about things like if, um, if a brother and sister do things with one another, but make sure to have all protection so nothing bad could happen. Should that be mandatory? And the should, liberals would say yes. Well, yeah, li liberals would say, oh, every night in my dreams. But mm. conservatives would say, that's disgusting. How dare you even throw that question my way? So that's really interesting. But one of the things that he didn't really look into very much was how it is that those differences in foundational morals arise. Because a lot of our brain chemistry, the way our brains are structured and function, is a result of evolutionary processes. And Josh and I spoke about this recently when we were on Contemplations about genes, mutants, and modern politics. And this one is also very much worth looking into and watching if you've got a subscription to the website. I found it to be a really interesting conversation. But essentially, we were talking about evolutionary psychology to a certain degree. And the fact that your brain has evolved to have certain features that make you fit to pass your genes on, that make you able to behave in such ways that you're going to survive so that you can then pass your genes into the future. And one thing that people like Ed Dutton have suggested is that post-industrial revolution, when the selection pressures that um, applied to human beings in the West suddenly drastically reduced, so it goes from being maybe one in two children die before they've uh, exited infancy, to a fraction of that, to I think it's less than 1% less than even potentially now, all of a sudden mutant genes which are not fit for survival and not fit for social communities have been getting through and those people are what he would describe as um uh, what, what's the term he does for them spiteful mutants because they've developed in such that makes a, a lot of sense they've developed in such a way that they are 
antisocial in their behaviors, whereas the people who were filling and controlling society before that were pro-social. And these people have developed a lot of power in our current So, so if, I, if I'm understanding this theory correctly, it would be something like back in the days when humans faced genuine selection pressures, mm-hmm. you know, you'd all be living in caves and, you know, the conservatives would be saying, watch out for the saber-toothed tigers and, and, the, and the cave bears. Whereas the liberal versions would be like, um, no, you know, that's fine. We've got to give, you know, we've got to give the saber-toothed tigers a chance. And the conservatives would be saying, well, look, I, I realize they only make up 13% of the mammals in, <laughs> on this savannah, but they do make up 50% of the people who get eaten. Right. And then so the liberals would, would go off and have their stupid worldviews and get immediately removed from the gene pool. Yes, they would immediately days, get eaten by the saber-toothed tiger. Yes. Whereas those who said, maybe I should avoid the carnivorous predator. Who, who, who want to rip me apart just because, yes. of, just because they can. Right. And, and so it's almost like these days, though, I mean, those selection pressures do exist a little bit. You still get people who go and do stupid things. and get In the urban removed. savannah. Yes, in the urban savannah. Uh, but so I'm also did, you, just did saying, you check the did you check the guidelines to see if we're crossing anything at any point? Anyway, we're getting so, close. <laughs> <laughs> we're just towing that line. It's, thought, yes, it's all right. The example I'm thinking of is that article a while back, which is uh, two liberal white women who went to rural Pakistan for a, a gap year. They didn't come back. Yeah, that's. Yes. I mean, that's sad. Uh, but also, they loved it so oh, much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love those posts where it's like, I'm going to disprove racism by cycling across Turkey naked or something. It's like, okay, yep, all right, good luck with that. But <laughs> always, heard always, from again. always ends the way you think it's going to. But be. I, either way, outside of theorizing about selection pressures and other such things, there have been some scientific studies done looking into the differences in brain structure between people who identify themselves differently, politically speaking. And this was shared late last year. And I think you commented on this, in fact, Dan, uh, December 21st, 2023. And this caused a bit of a stir on Twitter. Joseph Bronski, who is a very interesting account. He talks a lot about biological differences oh, I remember, yeah. uh, between peoples and uh, evolutionary psychology and all of that. And he shared this out saying, leftism may be physically linked to an atrophied amygdala related to mutational load in the DNA. Leftists have significantly smaller amygdalas, which he brands as the fear origin of the brain. This can explain why they use phobic as a slur and have no stress response towards mass migration. And you can see this image that he's included. It's from a 2011 study. And the sample size of this was only 90 people. But it was interesting what response that this got from people because I do think there's more to it. I, I remember my response now because all the leftists were getting really excited saying, oh, we're not afraid of anything. And my response was something like, yeah, but what... what, what Here you it really, is, in yeah. fact. Oh, in fact, there, there, you, there you go. What you've done is the risk-reward part of your brain isn't working properly. Mm. Well, the thing is, I find that very interesting that lots of leftists were coming out and saying, oh, all, all uh, right-wingers are pussies, confirmed that they all just feel fear too much. The fact of the matter is that fear is um, evolutionarily programmed into you for a reason. So, for instance, um, it's part of the brain that tells you, I am scared of, for instance, putting my hand directly into a fire. Yes. And I am going going to avoid doing that because I will burn my hand if I don't. Or living in an area where children might get apparently brag saying, what are you, a pussy? And then burn their hand screaming, going, I'm so much braver than you. I'm so much braver than you. It's it's not not even that, though. They they just end up living in an area where their daughters are more likely to experience an enrichment event. Sort of like a graph. You've got, you know, fear on one side, retardation on the other. (laughs) There's a nice little curve (laughs) in which when you get to the extremes, yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, if, I, I have no fear. Yeah, but you are genuinely moronic. It, it's like, do you remember? Do you, uh, I'm referencing Futurama a lot today. Apparently, you've watched Futurama, right? You know when the the brains take over the planet Earth and make so all of the human beings retarded. Yeah, on it. fire hard. Yeah, uh, fire and dud. Let Professi try. Ooh, fire indeed, hard. That's all leftists. That's all leftists. Yeah. Except the fire is. Um, it's something else. Is something else that's uh, rapidly spreading across the Western world, and they're just going like, "What's the matter? Fire isn't hot. Why are you scared of fire?" And then they get burned. Hmm. There, uh, there you go. I thought it would be interesting to uh, carry on along this because this is the study that he was that he was citing. I thought I'd go through some of the information so that we all know. So the information they gave that's um, after they go through the process of how they did the studies, and once again. Reminder that this was only a sample size of 90. Josh is not here to confirm whether that's a representative sample size or not. Uh, and 61% of this sample size was women. But they did do a re uh, replication test afterwards with 28 new participants that replicated their results. And what they found was that the uh, within people considered themselves conservative, they had a larger amount of gray matter or white matter in the, around the amygdala and also the insula. And... Uh, Leftists had more white matter, gray matter, whichever one it was, among the anterior cingulate cortex. And I'll read through this so that you can get a better understanding of what that means. So I'm we, not going to understand this, yeah. I'll be honest. We speculate that the association of gray matter volume of the amygdala and anterior cingulate cortex with political attitudes that we observe may reflect emotional and cognitive traits of individuals that influence their inclination to certain political orientations. For example, our findings are consistent with the proposal that uh, political orientation is associated with psychological processes for managing fear and uncertainty. The amygdala has many functions, including fear processing. That's not the only one, though. Individuals with a large amygdala are more sensitive to fear, which taken with our findings might suggest the testable hypothesis that individuals with lar larger amygdala are more inclined to integrate conservative views into their belief system. So in your language, Dan, you're able to recognize threats, assess them properly, and then use that information to inform your decisions from that point onwards. And once again, that would probably make you more inclined to conservative and right-wing views. Yes. Similarly, it's striking that conservatives are more sensitive to disgust and the insular, which was also found to be slightly larger in people who were considered right-wing. Uh, is involved in the feeling of disgust. And that's one of those things that Jonathan Haidt was testing, mm. the disgust response within people, where liberals couldn't really identify a disgust response, whereas conservatives were hypersensitive to it. So so I have always thought this. I mean, for, 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 for decades now, I thought this has to be the... Because nothing else fits the scenario. I've always thought that a sufficiently advanced brain scan will be able to tell your political opinions. It does seem to be the, the case that, yeah, yeah. you can analyze somebody's brain structure and nine times out of ten yeah. uh, if you know what to look for you because when you start out getting involved opinions when you start out getting involved in politics you start to think that oh, okay these people just don't have the right information and then you, you just need somebody to explain it to them but you, you, you try that enough times and and then you think oh, okay well they, they, they just need to see it how how it plays out but they've had enough examples of you know where where they actually get everything they want and it just gets dramatically worse. There seems to be a very small pool of people who are actually able to change their mind and switch mm. sides. Yeah. I don't know if I'm one of those people because I started out on the right side of everything. So <laughs> <laughs> All of my opinions were right. I've never had to change my mind and don't try it. Yeah, um, I mean, I've, I've changed plenty of my opinions over time, but I think that's possibly to do with the fact that 
the brain the brain matter is somewhat plastic obviously most of it is pretty set but environmental factors can have an effect on your brain chemistry like we joked about um the the wanking license in the last segment yes fact of the matter is if you get addicted to porn which is a real problem i think some studies and scans that have been done among representative samples have shown that it can actually reduce the gray matter in your brain so it can right. restructure the way that your brain works to a certain degree which is one of the reasons that can be very debilitating for some people i hate to be that guy and, and lots of other addictions can do the same thing part of me is wondering whether or not this is pseudoscience and uh Sounds legit to me. But I, I think the thing that comes to mind for me is probably less important than we think because the political differences in the West aren't that big. But when you change the political difference overnight to something massive, it seems you can get the, basically the entire population on side that will have a message you need to. And the best example of this in recent times has to be the Ukrainian war. And a friend of mine told me this fantastically funny story, which is he had a Ukrainian cleaner. He's Polish. So long relations, Donbass war has been going on for years. And um, so she's round, she's cleaning, and she's got these like weird leftist opinions all the time. And she's just like, yeah, whatever. And then the Russian invasion happens, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, she became like a hyper nationalist on every single issue. She changed her view on abortion for some weird reason. What? Okay, and it was just like, okay, like this. It, it seems to maybe not be the the be all and end all, but I'm not saying it doesn't have any effect. It well, well, the, th does. the thing is, I think it seems to be that genetics has a sixty to seventy percent effect on things whereas the environment definitely has a major factor in things and that'll include the culture that you grew up in and the information that you're absorbing different sources what are you looking at me like that someone in the chat is just like this is jango unchained it's like if you look at the three dimples you can see i never liberal. said anything <laughs> I, I, i've been on the cusp of mentoring phrenology this entire time and i've been just sitting on it it's like no don't say it but right. it would be really funny like i do want it to be true just to be clear i really really do want it to be true that if we literally could find the three dimples and that would determine someone's left because how funny would that be <laughs> like, just genuinely if you find this big missing part of their brain they're a left but, but then yeah. you could just have an fMRI scanner like set up in the streets just make people walk through it and when the light goes red it's like okay now you're getting you know, sent off to well one of the fa know, the, the, the fact of the matter is that one of the things that Josh and I covered in the contemplations was the fact that any sort of real scientific research done into evolutionary psychology and this kind of effect of genetics on human <coughs> behavior uh, from the early 20th century onward has been massively demonized by the media, by films, uh, by things like Django Unchained and other films presenting it as only the domain of racists and other such people. And it was only really from the 1970s onwards. I think E.O. Wilson published a book called Sociobiology, which was very controversial at the time, where research started to become a bit less taboo in the field. And people have been able to do a bit more research, although it is always still very controversial whenever anybody publishes anything like this. So, so Scott Adams yesterday was talking about a study that came out um, from, from one of the big US universities that said that there is literally no biological difference whatever, whatever between the races, but none. That's just incorrect. <laughs> it's like, well, in which case, how can you tell a white person from a black person from an Asian? Yeah, why, if, why... if there's no biological differences, they're interchangeable entirely. Why are there phenotype differences between yeah. people? Because phenotype is an expression of genotype, so... But, but that, that's, that's mainstream science. 
It is producing the result that they want to hear. Which is anti-science. Yes. Yes. It's it's politically based first and foremost. But if I just carry on with a bit of this and then we'll we'll carry on. On the other hand, the study says, our finding of an association between anterior cingulate cortex volume and political attitudes may be linked with tolerance to uncertainty. One of the functions of the anterior cingulate cortex is to monitor uncertainty and conflicts. Thus, it is conceivable that individuals with a larger ACC have a higher capacity to tolerate uncertainty and conflicts allowing them to accept more liberal views. So, for instance, stepping out of your door and not knowing if you're going to be mugged and raped and murdered that day, Mm. liberals are just able to deal with that a bit better, apparently. Mm. Uh, Such speculations provide a basis for theorizing about the psychological constructs and their normal uh, neural substrates underlying political attitudes. However, it should be noted that every brain region including those identified here, invariably participates in multiple psychological processes. It is therefore not possible to unambiguously infer from involvement of a particular brain area that a particular psychological process must be involved. So they add that, that, um, that bit at the end so that you know that it's not just down to this. And I agree that I don't think it's just down to this, although it is amusing to me that it seems to state that leftists are in a constant state of walking deaf and blindfolded into no man's land every single day. They know nothing of what's going to happen and they don't care. And if they get stabbed and murdered that day, oh, well, yep. at least I was a good ally. I was a good ally to the end. That's, that's exactly what they are. Yes. Uh, but you've got to think about things like, the, I don't think it's entirely down to the idea that, oh, le- uh, right-wingers just feel more fear. Because if there's anything that we've noticed over the past 10 years or so, it's that leftists are gigantic pussies. It's just about different things. It's not that they are entirely fearful of mass migration or anything like that. It's that they are fearful of the rise of fascism or bigotry coming back or anything like that. But, but, but fear, is, fear is an evolved response to a good purpose. And, and right-wingers respond by going to the gym and living sensibly and making good allies and, and stuff like that. Some of them do, certainly. But I'm thinking more of like higher rates of neurosis <laughs> in leftists. They always have far more problems with anxiety disorders and other neurotic... basically reality in general. Yeah, like like I say, it's not that their fear response is is absent, it's that it's completely upside down. Just to once again highlight one of the things uh, that was in response to this, which was that um, Vorsch came along with the epic dunk saying this MF bragging about having an engorged pussy lobe. Once again, just to really hammer it home, it's not that fear is bad, it's that fear directed properly can be good. So a very relevant example for Vorsch here might be that the pussy lobe might tell you, don't put your dick in that horse. And then I love, I love the example. And then you don't do it. And then you don't do it. Vorsch evidently, his brain isn't wired that way. Uh, people, oh wait, did was was that a targeted reference? Did did he that was horse? Uh, what well, he has been an advocate of horse man relationships for a while. Ah, I see. Okay. Is, is that also the guy that lets somebody else hump his missus? No, that was Destiny. Ah, okay. Although, I, I, I don't... That was the man that made this man's career. Yeah. Right. That was the man that this man based his entire personality. Uh, they're all the same to me. I can't tell the difference between these people. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, but somebody pointed out that this must be why this kind of thing keeps happening. Mm. People who love BLM keep getting killed. Yep. By BLM. Well, by the people that they're more than happy to donate funds to to get out on bail early, for instance. Um, and it also explains these kinds of posts that you see pop up every so often and they get like this 11,000 likes. 
Oh, yeah, I saw Maybe at least 50% bots. You probably want to... Okay, yeah, we're going to have to censor that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, I'm at least 12 of those 5.4 million views. Yeah. If you murder someone over you getting robbed, even at gunpoint, you are genuinely effing sick in your head and I don't care. So there's that beautiful uncertainty. Happiness with uncertainty. This is the kind of attitude that uh, spawned the bike cook meme. We all know the bike cook meme, right? You know it, Callum. The guy who gets there, finds his bike has been stolen, he thinks, at first I was pretty bummed, but then I realized that he's probably happier to have my bike than I am sad to not have it anymore. So the overall happiness in the world has gone up, yeah. and that's a good thing. This yeah. is presu- stole your bike. Yeah. <laughs> this is presumably how Destiny is coping with his wife yes. being gone, you know? It made him happier to cook me than I am sad to have been cooked. I mean, maybe he gets to watch. So it's I don't fine. Know. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. And uh, there's plenty of examples of these sorts of people. Like this post that went up of somebody criticizing Stephen Ev- Edgington. He pointed out that we've got lots of Romani beggars and other beggars have popped up in London. This person said, oh my God, can you believe that this, said th- this person said this? This guy, James Ball, saying, imagine being that lacking in basic decency or compassion. Holy F. And somebody posted these screenshots of him from 2022, <laughs> a year before, saying, hi, just been fairly violently mugged. Please don't trust anything from my accounts for a while. So if you're looking to get good advice on how to survive in any given environment, <laughs> don't take it from these people, because these people do not have the survival instinct or ability to recognize when they're in danger or not and will get you mugged. They will. If they're presented with a choice of two roads, the happy time, fun times road or the stab, murder, kill road, they'll go, yeah, there's no real difference between these two. Let's go down stab, murder, kill avenue. This is a serious problem because we used to have loads of mechanisms to remove people (laughs) who couldn't do risk reward properly from the gene pool. We always had mechanisms for that. And then in the last few centuries, at least we had a nice big war every now and again. But these days, it's just like every fuckwit survives. Mm. All of them. I mean, the only thing I can say for leftists is that they don't reproduce because they always... Well, that's why they're trying to... That's why they're trying to indoctrinate the children so they can reproduce in a different way. Yes. Like, Like laying their eggs in your children's head and just turning them to lefties. And yeah, because once again, it can be quite pr- uh, plastic, so if they can get their claws in early enough, they might, might be able to literally mm. change your brain chemistry. Uh, but I, you know, I posted about all this saying, oh, there's lots of leftists bragging about having no survival instinct, and this person shows up, I survive by responding rationally to my rea- surroundings instead of being a reactionary pussy. I mean, reacting is responding rationally to your surroundings. And I just had to, you know, throw up the old classic of uh, a Pew Trends panel where they were looking at rates of um, self-reported mental illness between people identifying on the political spectrum. And this is where I come to saying that it's not just that they, you know, their amygdala might not have as much grey matter around it, so they don't have as potent a fear response in particular situations. Is that a lot of these people, self-evidently, they will tell you themselves, especially white liberals, are mentally ill. Do you remember yeah. that thread we did where it was a bunch of communists? Why don't you own a firearm if you're an American communist? Oh, yeah, because I will kill myself immediately. All of them depression or mental illness. Yeah. Every single one of them. And, um, I've and, found- and that's interesting because the people who just want to be left alone have the lowest rates of, of mental illness. It's interesting that it actually upticks a bit 
Yeah, because when those, you go from conservative to yeah, very conservative to the people who just want to be left alone, and the very conservative people who want to advocate for conservative principles. So the people who want to be left alone the most, i.e., the conservatives, yeah, the most stable of the bunch. That's, that's probably true. I mean, I, I've known plenty of left wingers in my time, and they have never seemed particularly rational. Oh no, or mentioned. like they respond to uh, the no. stimulus they receive appropriately. I've known lots that have suffered ag- agoraphobia, and I was reading um, a book recently that referenced a 2001 Dutch study on um, LGBT mental health that was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association had a sample size of around 6,000 men and women. And I thought it would be good because they all label themselves under the LGBT banner in one way or the other these days anyway, don't they? So let's use them as a proxy for the full intersectional coalition. And they said that um, the the gay men as part of this study were 727% more likely to suffer bipolar disorders, 620% more likely to suffer from OCD, 454% more likely to suffer agoraphobia, 421% more likely to suffer panic disorders, and 311% more likely to suffer mood disorders. And the list just kept going. Yep. So if we're using that as a proxy for general leftists and their behavior, I think it paints a picture that it's not just that their fear response isn't as attuned as it could be, that a lot of these people, as we keep finding out every single time these people are questioned, why don't you own a gun? They just, their heads don't work right at all. Mm. Their heads tell them that the entire world is scary and they need to be terrified of everything. Then there are other studies that have been done, like this one that put a heat map of where your areas of concern for conservatives versus liberals. Now, the closer this was to the center, the more heat generated in the middle, then that means that you care about the people around you. You care. Oh, my. I've just, I've just read the notes underneath. Yeah. My God. This is your moral circle. So this will be friends, family, people in your local community, people you know. Conservatives care most about that circle. So the conservatives care most about their family, the people they're closely related to, and they care less than just other random people out there living in the world. And liberals, it's completely reversed. Yeah, liberals care more about space rocks than their own, than their own families, according to this oh particular my study. That's not a surprise. Yeah, which is probably why they're so eager to replace their own people and culture, because they literally they can't even really generate care about their own family so, so may, in maybe, many cases. May, maybe that explains all these liberal parents who are doing you know, genital mutilation to their kids to win the approval of complete strangers because of this heat map. Yeah. Uh, if you want to check it out, you can find that particular study here in the links below the podcast. And I just wanted to end off on this very funny one that has been shared around a bit as well, which is that if you direct magnetic energy into the brain to shut down parts of the... Um, uh, let's see which part it was. I'll just read through this. So new research involving a psychologist from the University of York has revealed for the first time the belief in God and prejudice towards immigrants can be reduced by directing magnetic energy into the brain. Dr. Kizi Izuma collaborated with a team from the University of California to carry out an innovative experiment using transcranial magnetic stimulation, a safe way of temporarily shutting down specific regions of the brain. And bear in mind once again, the whole brain is there for a reason. Each yeah. part of your brain is there for a reason. That- so, so in simplified terms, if we give somebody brain damage, they become more left-wing. Yes. And, well, and, and the opposite. So, so it's oh, the, the posterior medial frontal cortex. They shocked, They used these electromagnets uh, to shut parts of that brain down and make it slower. And immediately, 
they found that uh, these people were 32% less likely to believe in God and had 28.5% more positive feelings towards immigrants who criticized their country. So I'll give you the direct opposite of this. John Fetterman. So he was basically a, <laughs> he was basically a vegetable when he went into office and he was very left wing and he's been slowly regaining brain function and becoming more and more right wing. He's 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 almost based at this point as he as he starts to regain full yeah, he, function. He had a stroke and it seemed to have been yeah. like a factory reset of his brain. Yeah. Where he's now saying sensible things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, while I'm not saying that you should take any major conclusions from this, there has been a, a, a bit of scientific study done into it on the differences between left and right wing brain structure. And it does seem that there are significant differences and that, yeah, if parts of your brain don't work properly, you might be more likely to be left wing. Oh, there we are. <laughs> there we go. I've been writing some uh, censorship notes the whole way through that, but there we are. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate the work that you do for us. So give us something uncontroversial then. Didn't have to be this way, boys. You could have stopped it. You could have prevented it. It didn't. It's, it's happening anyway. But this is talking about the fact that um, the United Kingdom and much of the West has been undergoing a large amount of immigration. And I did a, a video a while back talking about something about this: the fact that we were never asked, and mm. it's evidenced by the party manifestos. We went back to 1997 when something happened, uh, and then, you know the rest of it happened. And at no point did either of the parties talk about increasing immigration. In fact, they continuously spoke of having stricter controls or lowering the numbers. And instead, they, they both just ramped it up to, to a billion migrants. You, you, are you going to present us with 70 years of, of lies and betrayal on immigration? Yeah. Right. I thought that'd be fun. Yes, that would be, actually. <laughs> so this is um, just the House of Commons website. And this is just a graph here. And we'll keep some of this in mind as we go, right? So you can see here, this is the level of uh, immigration, that being that graph there, you got the, the net and then the emigration there as well. So immigration back in 1964 was about 200,000 people. The net was about 50,000 people a year leaving, but you're getting 200,000 in. And then from here, right up until like 70 something, it goes down and it goes down some more. And then the 80s, it starts to rise up a bit. And then, you know, 1997 happens and the rest is history. So I thought we'd just go back real quick. Because opposing immigration is now the most centrist position you could possibly hold. And this is an amazing piece of uh, data here. So it's by constituency, in which they ask people, do you want the numbers reduced and tighter controls, or do you want the numbers increased and relaxed the controls? And the only places that wanted it reduced are like the mental city people. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, properly insane types. Because, I mean, I'm tempted, and you were tempted, and we were all tempted to just have a check at the ONS ethnicity. Graph to see, and yeah, that do, that does correlate quite nicely on this. But at the same time, even parts of the country that are almost majority immigrant still want tighter <laughs> controls. Yeah, want tighter controls, which really surprised me. I was expecting the entirety of Birmingham to be red and the entirety of Manchester to be red. Obviously, London is where it's a big hotspot, but even up around Manchester and Liverpool, it just seems to be hotspots in the centre of the city. Uh, I, th I think that's because the most racist anti-immigrant people you ever meet are um, first-generation immigrants who came here legally. But then you've Taxi got these, drivers, yes. these yeah. areas like Cambridge or Brighton, which don't have large immigrant populations. Oh, yeah, but like it's, full of, it's full of cum-guzzling wankers, though. <laughs> the Tory voters in waiting. Not just their yes. breath that smells of cum, it's also their farts. I, 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 anyway. I'm, I'm not talking about gay people. I'm just talking about 
What Impressive. Do you call yes. Yeah. yeah they, they've been taught. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, for YouTube, not talking about homosexuals, just talking about weirdos. Yes. Which, um, Lib Dem voters, all that sort of thing. Plenty of Tory boys. Anyway, but this chap here who um, caught my eye because he's done something rather funny, which is that he's uh, campaigning for reform. He's a good boy. And he's made some uh, graphics here, which he's passing off as like, hey, hey, reform made these. And reform obviously officially didn't, but I'm not exactly going to denounce them. So he's been spreading them everywhere. And so, th th this is the best campaign posters that reform could ever hope for. Yeah, the design's great. So one in six people in England and Wales are first-generation immigrants. One in three people in Reading are born outside of the UK. 40% you know, of all immigrants arrived in the last 10 years. The striking stuff were already all you know, sourced from the ONS oh, as well. Those yeah, are really good ads. And he's been responding to loads of stuff. So like this guy posting about house affordability. And um, <laughs> it's now as bad as it was in 1876. <laughs> The ability to buy a house versus the average income. And he's like, oh, I wonder why this happened. And obviously our, our, our good boy over here is just like, mm, maybe don't it's through with all those immigrants. Don't make me tap the sign. <laughs> yeah, 48% of all social housing in London is occupied by people born outside of the UK. Uh, around 20% of all social housing in the UK is occupied by foreigners. There was more immigration in the UK in 2023 alone than between 1066 and 1950. Yep. Which... Yeah, it, okay. It, it goes to show you solve that problem and then you just get to solve like 20 of the other top top 25 problems there automatically. Is a, there is a reason I bang on about it a lot. Yeah. And, and it's exactly you're correct. I mean, it, it's because you solve everything else. I mean, mm. you can see I, here, it bumbles up and down and then in 1997, something happens yeah. because of a fucking cliff. <laughs> I would be even willing to suggest that the NHS might work as it's supposed to if it didn't have... Tens there, there'd be a net decrease because people. yes, there are foreign-born doctors and nurses working there, but there's more foreign-born doctors, um, foreign-born foreign -born patients. So the net result would just be an improvement in the NHS. Yeah, and you can literally uh, micro-target that by ethnic group, but that's not what we're doing today. I thought we'd yeah. go back and check out the past. It's a history segment. Ooh. Yes. Ooh, I'm taking. It's a, it's a completely. Di we, we've had black pills, science segment, history segment. So, so, so 19, in, 1940 and 1945 are going to be interesting because that was the other big. Immigration push. Um, well, no, that's the war. So all the houses got blown up, so you couldn't really. Yeah, the, the affordability for house kind of went through the roof. Oh, I thought we we're still looking at the immigration one. Well, we're not uh, quite there because no, no. immigration, as you see from the previous graph, I'll get it back up, is uh, not really a thing until around about the nineties. Oh, yeah. you get the net. Yeah, but there, there was some in in the um, in the late forties and fifties, but it's not captured on that. There, there is an amount because that data doesn't go back that far. Yeah. But the, the main thing here being Zavor and then um, yes. over here being um, the other kind of catastrophe. Yeah. And so invasion. Let's let's start off because I said I went back to 1997 before. So we'll go all the way back as far as I could find, which is 1945. I'm literally going to show you manifestos. Riveting, I know. Anyway, but this is something I did this morning and realized this is actually quite useful for mm. actually our understanding of the world. Because if you go back to the 1945 Labour Party manifesto, it's weird. It's really weird. I mean, some of it reads like today, where they would write, for example, the empire and the commonwealth is the greatest force for peace and stability in the world. In the same way that people write today, they're like, oh, globalism is the greatest force for peace in the world. So, oh, shut up. Rules-based international order, that kind of thing. But I'm going to pick out a load of stuff. Let's go. So in the 1945 manifesto, there is zero mention of ethnic minorities because there aren't any. But they well, there built, was the Irish. But they built the country and then rebuilt it again yeah. after the war. It turns out England wouldn't be anything if it wasn't for the English. Shock that one. It works for every other country on Earth. I don't know why it doesn't apparently work. But the funny one. thing is, uh, the claims that we were always a diverse country can just be refuted by going back to 
Well, that's what I'm doing. This. So they also have literally zero mention of immigration policy. There's nada in here about that because it just wasn't the issue. Mm. It's not a big thing. But there are some uh, funny quotes out of this early one. Quote, We must consolidate in peace the great wartime association of the British Commonwealth with the United States of America and the USSR. Let us not be forgotten in the, the years leading up to the war, the Tories were so scared of Russia that they missed a chance to establish a partnership which might have prevented the war. Which is a really weird thing to write. Yeah. Like, why didn't we side up with the USSR in the 20s or 30s? Why didn't we side up with the genocidal maniacs to get rid of the other genocidal <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can see the moment here, because I've always been told about I it. I mean, there is half an argument there that you know, you guys can go do what you're doing over there, but we don't really need to... Yeah. But you can see where this comes from. It doesn't come from any kind of pragmatism about stopping the war. Yes. This is, yeah. I love Stalin. Yes. The, 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 the claims about him, I think, are exaggerated because it's 1945. They haven't, they haven't had the Stalinization yet. Mm. And when this all came out in the 50s and whatnot to Britain, they, they hushed up about I mean, come, loving come the USSR. Like, right, if the, if the cabinets and the shadow cabinets were in direct contact with uh, the USSR, during the war efforts, they knew what was going on in Russia. They just denied it. So they also say the Labour Party will seek to promote mutual understandings and cordial cooperation between the dominions of the British Commonwealth, the advancement of India to responsible self-government, <laughs> I love that, and the planned progress of our colonial dependencies. So it's still imperial language. It's India is going this way. I mean, at this point, the, the British Empire is bankrupt. So yeah, okay, we, we can't stop that one. So that's that. And then in 1950, because they've now won, they won that election. So this is them writing uh, for the next election. Again, zero mention of ethnic minorities, zero mention of immigration. During the last five years under Labour leadership, Britain has regained her moral position in the West, which is a polite way of saying we became irrelevant. <laughs> so we, we really did sort of disappear on our own ass. Let's be fair, Suez, I believe, had not yet happened at that point. We were but not. It was, on the, it was on the horizon. You can see the books written about the superpowers in 1945. Oh, yeah. And it's the British Empire, the Americans, the Soviets. And then by the 50s, it's like, no, it's the Americans, the Soviets. It's England goes, listen, guys, we kind of spent all of the money. Yeah. All of the money. And America, they gave us a lot of money, but they want it back. So they then go off in this one and talk about how proud they are about losing India, Pakistan, Burma, and Ceylon. Which um, they then say the Tories would never have done. Wait, but I. This <laughs> is a weird brag. But I was told that the only reason the empire was rich was because of our colonies. Why would we get rid of them if they were such an easy source of money when we were looking for money? A lie. All right, year later, there's another manifesto because there's another election. Uh, again, zero mention of ethnic minorities, zero mention of immigration, still not a thing. In fact, what the writing in, is in here is them still gloating about destroying the empire. <laughs> Um, <laughs> this was a winning strategy last time. They it's, lost. Been, it's been six years, and we're still really pleased with the fact that we've done away the thing that made us great. Yeah, I mean, the wording they use is the Tories still think in terms of Victorian imperialism and colonial exploitation. God, if only they had. And then, yes. and then they write, he would have denied freedom to India, Pakistan, Ceylon, and Burma. So they're, they're proud of that. All right, but there we are. I mean. Whatever your views are on that issue, it, it's just really weird, isn't it? That the uh, British this, Empire has a major party that's just like, man, I'm so glad we destroyed the empire, it became irrelevant. I mean, at this so, point, <laughs> I, I would like independence from India. I mean, that would be nice. Yeah, I'd vote for it. <laughs> All right, four years later, another election. Yeah. All right, what are they writing this one? 
Um, there's still no mention of immigration. <laughs> it's just not an issue. It is our responsibility to protect the weaker peoples from being exploited and to develop communities free from racial and color discrimination. Oh, so it's gone in. This is the first mention I could find of um, racism bad. So there we are. Okay. It's not in the Conservative Manifesto, of course. They then go on to write, we helped India, Pakistan, Ceylon, and Burma achieve their freedom. They're not going to shut up about that for quite a while. All right, four years later, there's another one. But I mean, who are they speaking to? Because it's not... Because now there would be a big constituency for that. So they were just writing to white working class people saying, these, these are all the good deeds that we've, got, we've done for India. Yeah. I mean, when they were writing, he would not have allowed them their freedom. They're talking about Churchill. And, and they lost that election to Churchill. That's when Churchill got oh. back in. Um, they lose this one too. Uh, the transformation of the old British Empire into the first interracial commonwealth of free nations was the supreme achievement of the Labour government. They then go on to mention they freed India. Done already. <laughs> yeah, they really love that point, don't they? I don't know what. I'm serious as well. They mentioned every fucking manifesto. It's, it's like that it's guy. Just... It's like that guy that you meet at the pub who did one interesting thing 30 <laughs> years ago and yeah. shut up about it. If it wasn't for us, India wouldn't exist. It's like, oh, so I know who to blame. <laughs> just, yeah. Why? Uh, uh, I can't find it. It's in there somewhere. And um, they then go on to mention that racial discrimination must be abolished. Now, there's an interesting point here, because at the time before this, going back, I checked out both parties, I'm just going to Labour because they're the most interesting for this time period, is that the conversation, even amongst the Labour Party, is that there's that interracial aspect of the Commonwealth is something to be respected in the same way a modern 4chan racist respects interracial unity, which is that there's the Arab world, then there's the white world, then there's the brown world or whatever, right? It's like that. That's how they're thinking uh, of the Commonwealth in this time. Even the Labour Party is not writing one big multicultural fanfare. They're, they're writing, no, the Arabs live in Arabia, and we want to be friends with them and, and allies, and we support them, but they, that's about it. And it's the same with the Africans and the same with the Indians. That's the framing, which I really think is worth noting. All right, moving on. 64, uh, Conservative Manifesto. Uh, they lose this one. <laughs> in case you're wondering. A conservative government will continue to control immigration from overseas according to the numbers which our crowded country and its industrial regions can absorb. Right, th this was... This is the first ever mention of an immigration problem. But th yeah, this is after the conservatives had allowed more immigration up to that point than we'd had in a long while when they, started, when they did start to Mm. invite people over mainly to fill up transport for London. Mm. But the comparison is, is weird and probably wrong for us to do because the levels of immigration from this time period are about like 1% of the population, whereas now it's about 13% in a single election cycle get replaced. I mean, the, the difference is unbelievable. Well, well still... But you're right because... Go, going from nothing or, sure, sure. or, or point zero one to 1% is still a huge increase Obviously. that people were beginning to know. And which, it was only... which is why they mention it. They say, we want strict controls because our crowded island. After we, I mean, 1964, it's after, crowded. After we've opened up a bit of the borders and realized it was a terrible idea, we will now close them. Do not worry. We are the conservatives. Yeah. We always keep our promises. So then we get to the, uh, the first mention of immigration in the Labour Manifesto ever, which is here in 1964 as well. The same, yeah, same year they both mention it. Yeah. And the Conservatives lose and Labour win this one. This is when they get back into power. Labour accepts that the number of immigrants entering the United Kingdom must be limited. Until a satisfactory agreement covering this can be negotiated with the Commonwealth, a Labour government will retain the immigration controls. The immigration controls being obviously very strict compared to modern day ones. They also say the Labour government, headed by Clement Attlee, granted full <laughs> and complete independence to India. 
They're still not shutting up. <laughs> by the way, 20 years ago. <laughs> Shut up, India again. <laughs> Did you know we freed India? Clement Attlee at the bar, four pints down. I freed India, <laughs> don't you know? <laughs> I dismantled the empire. And I also, <laughs> like, I also like the wording about we're going to find a sensible settlement on immigration, which turned out being us going to the rest of the world and saying, Gimme. can we have all of you, please? Gimme. And the other country saying, no, you can just have our scum and criminals. Yeah. And then we go, yeah, all right, then we, we have... We, Are we, they have willing to serve me at Pret? Yes. So we go to the, the next election, 66. All right, so we've had one mention of immigration, finally, in British political history post-war, which is the less of it. All right, so in 66... In the field of immigration, wrote the Labour Party, we shall continue realistic controls, flexibly administered, combined with an imaginative and determined program to ensure racial equality. It's a lot of fluff there. Incitement to racial hatred has now been outlawed. Apparently up until then you can do what you want. Any financial support given to uh, positive work for promoting racial harmony, they're now saying they will support, a special committee in studying the law relating to positions of aliens and the Commonwealth immigrants who are refused entry or threatened with deportation shall be looked at. Uh, finally, in this year, they shut up about India. <laughs> they didn't write that this time. So there we are. They didn't, they didn't they get want... drunk enough this time. Yeah, but the official line again is, is strict, realistic controls on immigration and uh, right. dealing with aliens. The Conservatives write about how they need strict controls. They lose the selection, so who cares? Um, we're, we're up to 1966, and so far we've only had either no mention or we're going to limit it. Yeah, and the yeah. numbers aren't really... And, and, and 60 years ago, even 60 years ago, the government was saying, don't worry, we know you don't want this much immigration, we will reduce it or make it more manageable, and they don't. They, that, they just don't. I, I do have to break character for a minute, though, and talk about that commie simping from earlier, because it comes back. Uh, they write, for no reason, Labour still believes that China should be a member of the United Nations. This is the CCP because the Chinese Civil War was still going on. Nineteen so that was the middle of the Cultural Revolution. Yeah, but it's still the war is officially still a thing. I mean, they're still bombing the Shinmen Islands, but all of China as we know it today was basically owned by the CCP. And for some reason, the Labour Party are just like, man, we should get them in the United Nations. We're on their side. Fuck China was utterly mental during this period. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about them genociding their own people, and the Labour Party's like, oh. So Labour did still manage to sink a few pints before they wrote this. <laughs> yeah, but forgot about <laughs> India. China is my new best friend. <laughs> All right, 1970, Conservatives win. Uh, they write, future immigration will be allowed only in strictly defined special cases. Whew, I could only get so erect. There will be no further large-scale permanent immigration. Well, that was a lie. Yeah. Quote, our policies will reduce the causes of racial tension, the cause being immigration, and we will ensure that there will be no further large-scale permanent immigration. Yeah, that's, that's reassuring. The cause of racial tension is English people not being happy at immigration. Therefore, and it was, it was under Thatcher that they... Um, Look at that difference. Oh, I know. I know, but it was under Thatcher that they started to do all of the... Um, uh, what was it? Pub uh, public order? What, what, what's the mm. word for it? Public order offence. Yeah, the public order offence laws and such like that. So the Tories have consistently gone, don't worry, we hear you. Now shut up about it. But it's a, it's a nice weird travel into the past because as you can see there, in 1970, the Conservatives talked about racial tension as being caused by the large-scale immigration. Whereas today, the cause of racial tension is... The native population. 
Yeah. He's been flipped entirely. Now we're the problem. I think I, I think that's what they always meant. They just didn't say it as explicitly as they do now. I don't know, man. I, I really do believe that the past is a foreign world. I mean, we had back then the Labour Party talking like a 4chan racist, which yeah. you know, is at least respectable. <laughs> so they, well, you, you would get jailed today for saying anything that these elections say. So the Labour Party did also do a manifesto. They only mentioned immigration once in theirs or anything to do with race or anything. They, they just wrote that immigrant ghettos have to be dealt with. Okay. Well, let's make in in the future. Let's make all of London, Manchester, and Birmingham a racial ghetto. Yeah. So 1974, Labour victory. What did they write? Uh, they will review the law of nationality so that immigration policies are based on citizenship, and in particular, they will eliminate discrimination on the grounds of colour, which didn't exist. In case you're wondering, I, this is a theme with British politics, which is we're going to get rid of racism. Where is it? Shh. We don't know. <laughs> I, I like I like this though because they say that the uh, immigration policies are based on citizenship, which presumably meant don't worry, we'll just give them all citizenship, so it's not racist anymore. Yeah, uh, we get to Thatcher. Weird layout, but they, she wins, of course. Um, I'm going to combine 1979 uh, and 83 because it's the same thing. She literally copy pasted her own words. Yeah. Uh, so Thatcher wrote, or at least her people did, a firm immigration control. For the future is essential if we are going to achieve good community relations. Again, the community relation problem comes from importing foreigners en masse. It will end persistent fears about levels of immigration and will remove from those settled, and in many cases born here, the label of immigrants. So how do you stop immigrants becoming this vast other in the country? Well, you lower the numbers coming in so that it actually becomes part of the woodwork. Which is a plan. At least that's a plan. Uh, it is important to point out that by this point in 79, it was under Labour in 76 that they implemented the Race Relations Act, which was essentially a hate speech 1.0 laws. And the Conservatives did nothing about that. Well, they, they write here, I have the Labour Manifesto, in which they write, they'll introduce a positive action program for ethnic minorities. So, okay. I mean, that was the start of discrimination against whites, pretty much. Uh -huh. There we have it. Um, all right, moving forward. 87, Conservatives. There they are. Um, they won. Immigration for settlement is now at the lowest level since control of the Commonwealth immigration began in 1962. They write, We want to see members of ethnic minorities assuming positions of leadership alongside their fellow citizens and accepting their full share of the responsibility. So this is a shift. This is another one. This sounds like proto-DEI to me. Yeah, because of course the, the wording before was... I mean, if they're here and they're good enough and they get there, I don't care. Yeah. Whatever. Instead, but, it's now we but, hope... But we now hope let, let's make them the boss. Yeah, we want representation, which means fundamentally, even if they're not qualified, they're going to get there. So, yeah, okay. This is another shift in the world. Um, they also go on to say they're particularly concerned about racial attacks. They require effective and sympathetic attention from the police. Okay. Before this, if you attacked someone for being a race you didn't like, it was just an attack. Now it's something special. Okay. By the, by the mid-1980s, um, am I wrong in thinking that a lot of the Rochdale-style um, controversies would have already been beginning in smaller scale that would later end up getting revealed? Yes. So the we Conservatives say, don't worry, we're going to be much more astute with the policing and such, and at the same time, the places around the country would still have been covering a lot of but this period seems to be completely schizophrenic. Like, they don't really know what the hell they're doing. Because <clears throat> they go on to write that immigrant communities have played an active part and influential role in British life. 
without losing their cultural traditions. But then they also say that they want ethnic minorities to participate in British culture, and if they don't, they will suffer the permanent disadvantage if they remain in linguistic and cultural ghettos. So you want them to be different and foreign, but you also want them to be British and not foreign. So, Also, the only okay. permanent disadvantage is that we'll just kind of leave them to it. Yeah. Um, the Labour Manifesto for this year literally just writes about Britain as if it's South Africa, talking about how there's racial discrimination behind every door. So, okay. <laughs> Labour posted kill the boer lyrics in their manifesto <laughs> that year. Yeah. And then we get to the last one I'm looking at here. So you can see 92. So this is the last Conservative win. And all they write is... We are determined to maintain our present system of immigration controls, but an increasing number of would-be immigrants from Eastern Europe and other parts of the world seek to abuse our openness to genuine refugees. The number of people seeking refugee status has risen from 5,000 a year to 45,000 in the past four years. That's just what, a, what we would give for immigration of 45,000 a year. No, that's over four years. <laughs> so it's 11,000 a year. That's what they're whining about. For context, in 2022, it was 222,000. That was just refugees. That was just people claiming refuge in the UK. Oh, God, it is so <laughs> over. And the Labour Party had zero to say on um, immigration. I did skip over something, actually. Back in 1983 or whatever, the Labour Party, for some reason, just mentioned homosexuals and then just deleted it from every further manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> Which, um, I didn't have time for, but there we are. But then, of course, that's the end. That's where we get back to where I was before, and I've mentioned previously that none of the manifestos on from here talk about increasing migration. They're all about dropping it. And, um, well, what happens? Well, we have the graph. Something happened in the 1990s. Yeah. Well, it was the end of history. That's what happens. This guy. I mean, this image is just weird. But just for a minute. That, yes, is, it is a bit sort of shadow lord, isn't it? Tony Blair. Um, people who don't know... There's uh, Hearts of Iron 4 is a World War II game. Oh, God, you're <laughs> actually going to put it in the segment. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and obviously, there's a particular mustache man who kind of is central to that whole you know, era. And they couldn't release that in Germany as, as they wanted to. So instead, for the German release, made Shadow Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be honest, when I look at this lineup of candidates, I mean, there is a sort of Shadow Hitler aspect to this. <laughs> And um, he is the man that made that something happen, which then made all of our houses completely unaffordable and returned us to a state of 1876 in terms of standard. And, and, and your point is not only did we never vote for this, is we have, we have for like 60, 70 years voted expressly against it and been promised the exact opposite of what they gave us. Yeah, I mean, you are looking at 70 years of betrayal from both sides of this. That's, that's the truth. Um, what did we learn? Well, yeah, they've been traitors for 70 years. That's, that's what we learned. And um, Shadow Hitler. That's a thing. Let's go to the video comments. Hello, Lotus Eaters. Um, Robert Arstadu here. Um, I watched the um, Vivek Ramaswamy and Candace Owens on with Tim Pool, And Jesus fuck, he said some really brilliant things. And I just wondered, has anyone in the office seen it? And do you have any comment? And especially pertaining to him talking about the reduction of the Fed and things like that, um, would you have any sort of way of paralleling how um, the UK could accomplish the same sort of thing? Yeah, so I, I watched that. Did you watch that? It was really good. I hadn't, no. So recent Tim Paul episode, it was like a, a town hall in wherever it was um, with Candice Owens and Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, 
And it was a really good episode. It's well worth watching. Um, Vivek goes on about how uh, the FBI almost definitely rigged Jan 6. It goes into the detail of the people and stuff behind it. I mean, oh, really? I mean, and, and that's just one element of it. And he, he, st- he, I mean, he starts talking about you know the, the, the white replacement that's going on. Um, I mean, a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, it's starting to look like the problem with Vivek Ramaswamy is he looks too good. It's like this can't be real. I know you're, you're somewhat suspicious yeah. of him now. Um, no, I'm, I'm not suspicious of him. It's just, he, he just sounds too good to be true, the stuff that he's talking about. So, I mean, yeah, I want to see him in, a, in, a, in an understudy role for a few years, like a VP, but it was a re- yeah, really interesting, that. Right, the next one. Hi, guys. So, last hour this week was IMDB Top 250, which you'd have got through if you didn't witter on so much about cartoons. Um, a good movie, Pathos. It has comedy. It has action. It has romance, but without the kuching kuching and bare butts in the moonlight. Good movie that covers all the bases and has a good porn moustache. Quigley down under. Opinion. I've actually watched that. Uh, it's one of my dad's favourites. I've not watched it in years, but I remember it being really good. I'll have to, I'll have to down under. rewatch it. Yeah, I think it's got Alan Rickman in it. Go to the next one. As last week was my birthday, Happy I decided birthday. for a bit of nostalgia to buy myself a PS2 and some PS2 games. I ended up buying X-Men 2 Wolverine's Revenge. And the Ghost Rider and Van Helsing games, based off of the movies of the same name. All right. Okay. Got a Hugh Jackman fixation there. I've got a little never, Nick Cage on the side. Never done play- PlayStations, but still. Yeah, next one. You didn't think you were alone down here, did you? Hmm. You don't smell like anyone who lives around here. You must be someone new. I know you're still here. I can hear you, fucker! Run, little pup! Run! It's going to be really weird to the audio listeners. That, that, that's great. So that was John Crow sending in an example of his <laughs> um, taking voice acting more seriously in a horror game. I'd need to see it married to the context of whatever that was, but that was good. So, yeah, so that was, that was I, actually an autoplay on our website. <laughs> I, 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 did, oh, okay. I did play a game recently called Save the Princess, and the, the voice sounded a bit like that. So I wonder if he did that one or if that's somebody else. All right. Oh, lovely. Mm. Let's, uh, let's go to written comments, because I think that's the yes. end of that. Right, right here. We've so, got, we've got. Um, is this from the other thing? Fifty dollars on yeah. Rumble from the Shadow Rumble. Band. Thank you very much for the fifty dollars. Yes, thing. thank you very much, sir. That's very kind. Good afternoon from the uh, minus thirty degrees polar vortex. Oh, where is he? You're not noticed. No, all of North America is frozen. Oh yes, that. Yes. Well, I mean, if they're cut off from the mainland, I mean, we just have to reconnect when we um when we can. All right. Yes. Um, Tim Charter says excellent segment today lads and hilarious watch good job yes and my your honesty 
um, on my segment, Lord Nova says, I'm really searching for some sympathy for those poor Tories getting shafted this year. I mean, they did their absolute best, didn't they? Lockdown tax hikes, increasing the partner visa requirements so my mates can't get married to the love of his life. Infinity African crossing the border. My heart bleeds. Those responsible for that. Yeah, have they, so they made it more marry, uh, more difficult for, for you to bring in somebody that you're going to marry. Um, yes, I think the right. uh, the financial requirements are stricter. I don't know if that's gone through yet. Right. Uh, so, so the yeah, it, it hasn't. So, so it might just be the story. So the only smoke. case of immigration where the person is definitely going to get taken care of and not be a burden to the taxpayer is the one that they're stopping. And everything else they're increasing. Right, okay, fair enough. Um, the Crusader, I'm not sure about the Tories being wiped out is good news when it means Labour will get a super majority. Yeah, I, I, I'm just, I used to, I used to buy into that. I just don't believe it. I mean, what are, are Labour going to do? They're going to bring in 1.3 million immigrants in a year? Probably. Oh, no. So that's what was going to happen anyway. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like there's, there's nothing that Labour can scare me with anymore. For me, the most important thing is that the Tory party is destroyed so it could be replaced. Yeah. But they're the, the, the cockroach. The right they're the cockroach of English politics. Yes, we can't they stop can, stamping on them been, until they are they've gone. They've been destroyed seven times over and they still rise from the dead like the Undertaker. Yes, ev- eventually they just get some blood in their mouth and they rise up again or something like that. Yes. Um, Sophie Liv saying, uh, my God, I can't believe it. You go to elections, promising thing, and then you spend your entire time doing the opposite of what you promised, and then you lose your voter confidence. So that is apparently from my segment, but it could just as easily be your segment, uh, Callum. Um, there you go. Oh, let, let's move on to, uh, to Harry's. All right. Uh, Furious Dan says, leftists proud of not feeling fear, do not understand that bravery is not an absence of fear, but acting in spite of yes, it. Yes, good point. Absolutely right. The shadow band, I was 90% lefty until I was in my 20s and started learning stuff, so I feel like one big thing is just how little awareness lefties have and how brainwashed they are. That can be something for some people. I think yeah. there's a certain percentage that absolutely can have their minds changed, and I'm not saying that it's the entire explanation for it. Uh, but no, it it's, definitely, it it's definitely the has irreducible a certain... core of lefties, isn't it? Because like Tim Paul, for example, he came up a minute ago. He was a lefty in, in his early 20s. Mm. And then basically he learned more about the word and he stopped being a lefty. So you do get those people, definitely. Yeah. George Happ says, since leftists like to self-diagnose with different mental illnesses, who am I to question their lived experience? And I will answer just one that's addressed to me from your segment from Vesta Wolf saying, Harry is wrong regarding the UK government inviting workers from the Commonwealth. This is a leftist talking point, ask Bo. I am aware that people say that it was in the late 40s around Windrush that they got invited in. That's obviously wrong. But Simon Webb speaks about how in the late 1950s, I forget exactly what it was called, there was a program initiated by Transport for London where they were trying to get some foreign workers in to fill some gaps. And the governments didn't do anything to stem the tides. And at that point, I think until you got some immigration control in the early 1960s, there was essentially a period of open borders as long as you were from a Commonwealth culture uh, country. That was what Labour implemented. The problem with is that Windrush happened and they thought to themselves it was a symbolic thing. They didn't realize that anybody would actually come and show up on the shores. Obviously, they would. It was a stupid thing to do. And I like Derek's comment as well. Derek? Yes. Read Derek's. The counter to the liberals not being scared of leaving the door open is remember what happened during the coup. That's why I said it's not just that they have no fear response, because that's obviously not it, because they are giant pussies. Yes. Anyway, um... Don't really have time for much else. Uh, I will say Baron is obviously right that the Soviets' uh, alliance proposal is comical because the Soviets sided with the Germans and the Italians. So, mm. I, yeah, it, it's 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 just we love Stalin and can't admit it yet. 
Anyway, but we're out of time. If you'd like more, um, website. Otherwise, bye.